Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to the poll list. The poll list. The poll list. It's a numerically ordered, chronological, vertical order of things that we pull. Yep. I'm Ryan <laughs> Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Marvel Comics' editor, Tucker Marcus. Yeah, you are. The poll list is where we go through all the new comics out this week the print comics, the digital comics, the collections, the single issues, the stuff that's added to Marvel Unlimited. All that good stuff, and we tell you why we got hyped about it, because we want you to get hyped about it. We just want you to love comics the way we love comics, and boy, oh boy, there's some comics to love this week. Oh, such a good week. Oh, man. Saints Alive. All right, we've got a lot to go through, too, so I'm going to dive right in with all new Wolverine number 31. Now, I'm going to get this out of the out of the way. This is one of my picks of the week. Yes. I picked two, and it's not for the obvious reason that happens on the first page. Because what happens on the first page, you see the naming of the greatest character in comics history, <laughs> the Pelican statue. That has been a, a hallmark of All New Wolverine for these past 30 issues or 31 issues has been named Panagos. Mm-hmm. Panagos the Pelican. Mm-hmm. It is canon. <laughs> it joins a planet named in Scotty Young's Rocket Raccoon book that was also named Panagos. So I am a planet wow. and I am a pelican. I also want to be a type of pizza, so if anybody out there is writing some pizza-related comics, maybe Donnie, if if any of your books, or Matt Rosenberg, and you want to name uh, a pizzeria or a pizza place after me, you got my vote of confidence? Is that even? Yeah, sure. Yeah. If anybody wants to name like a foot fungus or something after me, then I feel like that would be appropriate. Very appropriate. Now, this issue is written by terrific Tom Taylor. It is drawn by Marvelous Marco Faia, colored by Nolan Woodard, letters by Corey Petit. I didn't have any more more adjectives. Yeah, Yeah. adjectives. I'm sorry. You did well, though. Yeah, I tried. I was like, oh, (laughs) I dropped my Stan Lee brain in a second. Uh, But thank you to Tom, Christina Harrington, and Mark Paniccia, the editors, for putting Panagos the Pelican. It's pretty awesome. In canon forever and ever. This issue, though, it's relatively small, kind of done in one story about Mm -hmm. revenge and family. Yeah. And probably the perfect issue to try if you've never read All New Wolverine. Yeah. This sort of encapsulates everything I love about the book. The art is fantastic. On this first page, you've got such great acting between Laura, who's looking at this piece of technology, and she's like, ah, look at this, and she's so excited. Her eyes are all big. Or Gabby, who's really upset because of something that happens to Panagos the Pelican, the most prized <laughs> pelican statue in the history of comics. Or Jonathan the Wolverine, who has this look on his face like, I need something. Uh, And they have this universal translator and all this other stuff. It is so great. I'm going to talk about it a lot more in depth on This Week in Marvel later on in the week. But this also includes my favorite panel of the week, or I think one of my two favorite panels of the week, because there's so many from this issue. There's a reaction panel of Deadpool turning when Laura finds him. Oh, yeah, Deadpool's in the issue. Yeah, it's got yeah. all the all the things that I want. But there's this reaction panel from Deadpool. He turns around because Laura sees him, and Deadpool's with Gabby, and they're in this animal research lab. Wade, he, he's surprised, and he turns around, and his katanas are full of things. things. Like, there are things shish-kebobbed <laughs> on his katanas. And it is sold super well by Marco's acting and Tom's flawless setup and execution. And Deadpool's only line of dialogue in that panel is it's not what it looks like. Yeah. It really is what it looks like. It's fantastic. <laughs> we'll talk about this more in depth later on this week. Again, I'll say it again. If you've not read All New Wolverine yet, this is your issue to start. Yeah. It made me want a Tom Taylor Deadpool book. He crushed. Yeah. So good. 
First up for me is America number 12. This is the last issue of America. America Chavez, who we've seen come such a long way throughout the course of this series, been built up in such a gorgeous manner by writer Gabby Rivera. The art in this issue is done by Stacey Lee, Annie Wu, and Flaviano. Colors by Jordan Gibson and Chris O'Halloran. Letters by Travis Lanham. It is a really wonderful tale of the heart and compassion of America, this story. Because we've seen her punch out bad guys. We've seen her be a cosmic badass throughout this series. We've seen that, but we also have gotten such a sense of her heart and her love for her grandmother, Madramar, for her people, for the planet of Fuertona, for you know the history of where she has come from. And this issue really hammers home Gabby Rivera's point of this series, of this character that You know, the character can fight and win and even come out on top against all these bad guys. But that's not what makes her so great. What makes her so great is her love for those she cares about, for her family, for her friends, for her crew at Sotomayor. And we get that kind of compassion fused into this kind of cosmic starfaring issue in such a great way that I think just sums up beautifully the spirit of this entire series. Yeah. I do love that we got to see uh, Madramar's giant wolf dragon dogs. Yes. They're so cute. And did you notice, Tucker, that they were named Almodovar and Del Toro? Oh, you know, I think I missed that. Yes, they were named after, yeah. I would assume, yes. unless it's a uh, <laughs> crazy coincidence. 99% sure they're named after the directors, <laughs> yes. uh, which is, is cool. It's a nice little touch. Yeah. There's also a really nice little letter at the very end by a young lady who was who saw herself yeah. and sees herself yeah. in America. And it's so important. That's what it's all about. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I am glad we got 12 issues of it. And it's not the end of America's no, story. No, 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 no. She'll be in Marvel Rising, but I'm sure she'll be back in many, many ways over the years. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Also very cool is Avengers No Surrender number 682. This is part eight of No Surrender. Sean Azoxi, what's up? Yes. He's the artist on here. I love Sean's work. I love him on Twitter. It's great. Writers are Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Wade. Colors by David Curiel. Letters by Corey Petit. The first page were set in the past, in Red Wolf's original time period, 1872, and it's him facing down a dude with a gun. And David and Sean work here to really evoke the setting, the time period, the feeling. There's a lot of cross-hatching in in Sean's art. The coloring is very sort of sepia tone, Mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. It gives you that sense of this is in the past. And then you flip the pages and then boom, there's this two page giant battle spread. And like there's a portrait of Red Wolf and he's in the same spot and it's still him. And much of the narration through this issue is from him. And it's him thinking about where he's come from, what he's all about, what he's learned, his family, his friends, his brother. Mm -hmm. That is Hawkeye in this issue. I love the Hawkeye Red Wolf stuff. So cool. If you are not familiar with the two of them, read the Occupy Avengers series. That was dynamite but you know red wolf being in the middle of all this gives you a great pov because he's not so different from a regular person i mean he has powers he has abilities and he's friggin' badass and Mm -hmm. cool but he's dealing with cosmic creatures and aliens and gods Mm -hmm. thor's right next to him and there's also like four main locations that tell this story in no surrender right now but they're all kind of getting equal time and treatment and importance, which is a huge undertaking. Uh, The battles in New Mexico, the emotional 
grist and, and intensity of stuff that's happening with Jarvis in the hospital, and then the things with Rogue and her crew in Antarctica, all these pieces are sort of moving together. It's, it's like boom, 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 boom. I love this story. It's really going hard. In this issue, you really get a sense of how cool and badass Red Wolf is. He uses his mind. He uses his skills, his connection to Hawkeye, all of it in, in concert, really, to save the day. And he's sussed out things that everybody else has not. He's taken a breath and he's looked at the entire scenario and said, I, I see something that no one else does. Mm-hmm. You contrast that in the modern day with following up on his tale from his original time period, and it really builds a character picture for him. It's wonderful stuff. The back matter in this issue tells you how that pyramids came to be, as well as the lengths to which Mark Wade will go when he sets his mind to something. I will leave it at that. It's a funny little bit. This also has one of my favorite lines of the week. Quote, pierce my ears and call me drafty. End quote. <laughs> Such a great line. And it's said by Beast in this issue. And it was so good. And I had to email Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith, mm-hmm. the editors, and be like, where who wrote this line? Because you have three writers on the right, book, right? right? And Tom actually said that Mark Wade put the line in the book, but it is an old line written by Stan Lee, said by Mary Jane in an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. He wow. even sent me the panel. Now I just equate Beast and Mary Jane as, you know, sort of being the same person. <laughs> My next book is Black Panther, number 170. It's written of course, by ta Coates, art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Laura Martin, letters by Josephino. War is come to Wakanda. It's here. There's a crazy battle being waged. It's kind of this insane interdimensional threat that has been brought on by Claw. And if you'll recall a while back now, Asira, one of T'Challa's close allies was taken and there's kind of been a mission to rescue her for a while now and we see the action going on on the ground in Wakanda and then we get this other story this kind of more removed story that deals with her in a big way and it's so interesting to see how these different components that have kind of been flashed out into the universe of Wakanda, into this story, how they slowly weave their way back together and come to a head in a way that is really, really challenging for T'Challa in this issue. Not just in the matter of the fight at hand, but in his own personal history and who he values his friends and how his friends and his enemies clash in really interesting ways. Essentially, it feels like the exact kind of difficult situation that is both tailor-made to play to his strengths and weaknesses, but also feels exactly like the kind that he's made to resolve in a way. So it's such a cool uh, situation that's been built over the last several issues. The last page kind of kicks things off in a big way. That's super, super exciting. Can we talk about Leonard Kirk and Laura Martin on art here? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many cool things. They depict these like godly creatures, giant sand and stone magical creatures. Yeah. They look so menacing and scary, but also like you're looking at like a cartoon almost, you know, like a really beautifully animated cartoon. But they're also so great at depicting surprise, fear, love, adoration, all these different things. And it's it's sold so well by this team. Now, this book has one of my favorite panels of the week, mm-hmm. another one. It's T'Challa and Aurora close up in the heat of battle. And then they're just like 
drinking each other's love yeah. in. It's yeah. just they get so close, and it's this quiet moment in the middle of her having come in with Manifold. Manifold just like rolling up like Gandalf <laughs> with the Rohirrim, and he's like, yep, yep. "Here we are. Yep. What's up now?" And boom, Manifold brings in Storm and brings in some other friends, and then you know, Storm just takes out everybody because she's friggin' Storm. Yeah, she's the best, and T'Challa is like. Hey, girl, you're the best. I love you. You're so amazing. Look at you. You're pretty and you're the most powerful. Yeah. And it is just this great scene. I love it. Love, 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 love it. And this book also features a Marvel Comics exclusive conversation between ta Coates and the director of Marvel Studios Black Panther, Ryan Coogler. It's in the letters pages. It is such a fascinating read. We did a quick little preview of it on Marvel.com. For that alone, I would pick this up. And then you get this incredible story on top. So much value for your hard-earned dollar. Your hard-earned dollar. Yes. On to Captain Marvel number 129. This is the end of this run, but... There's definitely more Captain Marvel on the way. Don't you worry, Carol Kaur. This is written by Margaret Stoll, art by Michelle Bondini, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Michelle really works to deliver the feelings of a scene. Case in point, in the beginning of the issue, there's this the scene with Carol and evil alternate universe Peter Quill, and they're surprised by Dr. Eve, who shows up pointing blasters at them. Carol's like rolling her eyes at the conversation that Quill is having with her. Quill is like scratching his head and he's looking frustrated and he's like, like, what the hell is going on? The next page over, you have Dr. Eve side-eyeing them and it's it's really little things that are done so well. It keeps the action moving. This does give us the big origin for Dr. Eve, the evil Cree doctor. So get ready for that. There's a super neat thing about this, too. This whole story has kind of been a stealth preamble mm-hmm. to Infinity yeah. Countdown. Yeah. You caught a glimpse of the connection that Carol has to Infinity Countdown in Infinity Countdown Prime. But this really shows you a lot more about how that works. You've got Carol in the alternate universe with the reality stone. And this is that big hook that sort of lays all that groundwork, gives you some of that meat. Mm-hmm. You don't have to read this to understand where she's coming from, what she's got going on in Infinity Countdown at all, but it's cool. It gives you a lot more to the story. Yeah. In Champions number 17, which is written by Mark Wade, pencils by Humberto Ramos, inks by Victor Olazaba, colors by Edgar Delgado, we get the heart of this team in a big way. It's been solidified over the last couple of arcs, but it's really emerged that the heart of this team is Viv, and the heart of this book is Viv, and this story revolves so much around her trials and tribulations, especially since she's been turned into a regular human, a fallible, non-invincible person, and kind of quasi-replaced by a new version of her kind of humanoid self, But as the champions go on this really great action adventure in New York, there is a simultaneous kind of parallel story going on back at Viv's house between her and between her kind of vision counterpart that gets really dark. And both of these stories kind of come to a head in a really, really great way. And every time I read a story like this, you know, I think of Tom King's vision series because... 
it's a funny thing to say, but it humanized them in such an unbelievable manner that I just can't help but read this character now without it being infused with that humanity, with that life, with all that heart in every time I'm reading a panel or a page. Yeah, well, pierce my ears and call me drafty if I'm wrong, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure that Viv first appeared in that book. Yeah. Champion has done such a great job in taking her and her story to new levels. Yeah, it's so strange and uniquely done, and the mundane becomes very important in a really strange, awesome way. And yeah, uh, yeah for heartbreaking way too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, the bulk of my notes about this issue revolved around one tiny bit of dialogue. So the young heroes are milling about at this like mixer scene at Champions headquarters. They're just like talking and playing video games and just having themselves a little party. We get little snippets of conversation around them and it's they're all in unattributed word balloons, right? Mm-hmm. So it's anybody could be saying this is just sort of the the buzz around a party. And one of the word balloons is so I says to Mabel I says, <laughs> which is one of my favorite lines from The Simpsons. And it's a random side that Bart says to Lisa in a season eight episode. Wow. And the crazy thing about this line is that it has sparked such controversy in Simpsons like fandom huh. over the years because many people were like, yeah, that's a line from The Great Gatsby. Right. And then other people were like, no, no, I've poured through everything in The Great Gatsby. There's no character named Mabel in The Great Gatsby. Right. There's a character named Myrtle. Some people swear that it is. Other people debunk it. It's on <laughs> Snopes. It's all over the place. You can do a huge deep dive. I lost myself in like an hour of of, <laughs> of details looking into this. There's like theses about this. And, right. you know, some people are just like, oh, it's like a vaudeville line. Right, and so right, right. it was, you know, tied to vaudeville. Someone else was like, no, no, it's tied to old Bugs Bunny cartoons. It It's fascinating. Wow. If you want to lose some time, you can go <laughs> dig into this. It brought me such joy to see this line yeah, in the yeah. book, though. That was like the bulk of my notes. <laughs> I was really, because I knew you would tackle all the important stuff. On to Despicable Deadpool, number 295, part four of the bucket list. And, oh boy. So there's something that happens in this issue that made me text Jerry Duggan, the writer. Mm. It's so heartbreaking. So it's written by Jerry, but the art is by the amazing Matteo Loli, colors by Ruth Redman, letters by Joe Sabino. Last issue, we ended with Deadpool in the fetal position because he would have to kill Evan for strife. Mm -hmm. Evan being the good reincarnation of evil apocalypse. Wade's encounter with Evan results in like glass in Wade's ass, a baseball bat in his chest. Yeah, super funny stuff. A very not-safe-for-work colossus in terms of Mm -hmm. what he says. Mm -hmm. Great moment. And then there's a great bit of dialogue where Deadpool says, I liked him more in the movies. Yeah, Killed me. It was really good. He gets through that part of it, but he has one more kill to do. And this is such a devastating six-page sequence. Whatever it is, it hurt my heart and made me have to call Jerry. It's sweet. It's heartbreaking. It's surprising. Masterfully done. It's such a great example of why this run is so amazing. I won't give anything away because I really do think you need to be reading this book if you're not already. Just Mm -hmm. crying emojis for me for days over this one. He has kind of written the book so to speak and literally jerry in terms of giving weight to deadpool next up is dr strange number 386 it's written by dangerous donny cates art by nico henry sean letters by Corey petit this 
is Doctor Strange Damnation. It's funny, it says the events of this issue take place concurrently with, but mostly after Doctor Strange Damnation number one, which is very interesting. So it's not like a part of that series. Yes. So we have the Damnation limited series, yes. right? That is four issues, I think. Mm-hmm. This is next to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In such a great way. And I just couldn't be more happy that Bats and Doctor Strange are like the duo that have emerged in this series. It is the best ghost dog all the way. This book has two of my favorite pages of the entire week. It's a back-to-back double-page spread bonanza between what Doctor Strange... Well, first he says, this is how it happened, and it went great, and everything was perfect. And then you turn the page, and he says, just kidding. No, it didn't. Lols. Uh, and you see the complete opposite of the happiness and success of the the page prior. It's just incredible, incredible work. I love the art of this book. It's so unique. It almost looks like wood etchings yes. in certain parts. Yeah. It adds to the tone and sort of that creepy, weird vibe of everything. Yeah. We get some card playing we get more just delicious devil action wait you can't skip over the card playing because i don't know if this is a thing that ever existed before but did donnie just create something called brimstone blackjack with a set of (laughs) cards and the cards are these demons that talk to you because that is cool it's so cool that should be like an augmented reality game yes excuse me i'm quitting marvel i'm going to create an augmented reality game called brimstone blackjack goodbye (laughs) This issue takes a turn towards the end that is so cool. It is so wonderfully, I'll call it miserable in the best way. That's a specific adjective, but it is just metal. Oh man, it is awesome. There's a very metal tone to Donnie's works this week. Yes. So good, so good. Also so good. So sad to see it go is Unbelievable Gwenpool, issue number 25, or Gwenpool the Unbelievable. It's listed both ways. Yeah. I love this series so hard. It had such heart. It was so smart. Very funny. Totally money. I don't know why I rhymed that, but it (laughs) happened, so we're going to roll with it. It is written by Christopher Hastings, art by Gudahiru, colors by Gudahiru, and letters by Clayton Cowles. The series is kind of like about the Marvel Universe and comics as a medium, as a storytelling device, as an escape. Mm -hmm. It's about being a fan, about growing up, about caring, about learning. Like even in the letters page, it talks about how the book became much more than the essentially the gag that it started out as, as you know, like, oh, Gwenpool, that'd be funny. (laughs) But no, it, it meant something to the creators and to so many fans. We have 25 issues of a great character this whirlwind of a story. Yeah. Some of my favorite art because the ladies of Gudahiru, just anything they touch, I think is is magic. Mm-hmm. They do such beautiful, fun, emotive work. It works really, yeah. really well for our books. And it works really well for this series, a series which takes so many turns. It's been a treasure. I think a treasure is something I don't say lightly here. This issue sort of wraps up so many things for Gwenpool. We see a lot of her supporting cast. We see different versions of her. We see time travel. We see team-ups. We see the idea that your future isn't written out for you Mm -hmm. in the way that you necessarily think. You can change things. You can be who you want to be. It almost gives me Iron Giant vibes. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, interesting. For a book that takes advantage of the medium in such a unique way, it is 
everything you would want out of the final issue of something that talks about comics the way it does, talks about Marvel the way it does. Next up is The Invincible Iron Man, number 597, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Stefano Caselli and Alex Malayev, colors by Marte Gracia and Alex Malayev, and letters by Clayton Cowles. I've been watching a lot of the snowy athletics series over the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. and i think we're good about like skipping around we're allowed, are we allowed to say are we, i don't even know i don't know if, can we say country names i, I don't, don't know. know i'm not sure i'm so scared anyway if there was a snowy athletics competition for drawing dr doom let me tell you buddy this one's the kind of shiny yellow color oh yeah, okay. can, we, can we say the color that many wedding rings are? Yes, it wins that. Yes. Uh, moving so quickly on, this is a great story that takes place kind of in two different lines. We get a great Riri story as she goes to MIT, as she and others continue the search for Tony Stark, who we know now is alive, but he was in a coma. He is missing now. We don't know what's going on. But the first couple of pages of this issue of Doom walking silently through that Varian forest and going and seeing his mom's grave. It's haunting. Yeah, it is completely. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and the the colors and the art just marry so beautifully to create this tone that is so unique and so perfect. As we kind of move towards the end of this issue, there is a reckoning that takes place and there is a reckoning to come between Doom, between Tony Stark, and between the identity of Iron Man and the armor. It is so tonally specific, and I think that's what I love about it so much. Fantastic. I also really want a comic of Riri Williams. It's just her in college doing science stuff, superhero stuff with Blade, living that life. Mm-hmm. It's like grownish, but with right. like well, a superhero yes, version. Yes. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to Jessica Jones number 17. This issue has so much talking, yeah. but it is really great talking. There's a two-page spread in here of just so many word balloons. Most of the book is just a conversation between Purple Man, Kilgrave, and Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating conversation, too, because he's saying, you know what? I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt anyone. Tell me what you want me to do with my powers. My powers are at your discretion. I will do anything you want. What would you have me do? What would you want? And that is a terrifying mm-hmm. proposition. Mm-hmm. If Purple Man came to you today, it was just like, Tucker, you can use my ability to manipulate everyone mm. and anyone. Mm. What would you do? Okay. The first thing that comes to mind, and this is right off the top of the old dome ski, I can't eat gluten. This is a medical thing, and I just can't do it. Guess what? Now, thank you, Senior Purple Everyone in the world just makes delicious gluten-free food. There's no such thing as gluten anymore. It's gone. I thought you were going to say that he would take away your gluten allergy, which is not a way nope. his power works. No, no, no. But you Everyone make... cooks non-gluten-friendly food. Okay. Yeah. All there right. Very selfish. Yep. Cool. That's all for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I am torn because I love what Jessica says here. She's like, I can't take away people's rights yeah you know their free will that that makes us no better than you know anyone else but i look at all the what she talks about people starving there are people who are homeless there are Mm -hmm. children who are sick there are dying that can be helped 
I don't know that I am strong enough to resist the the urge to yeah. take away people's free will if I think that I can help them. Right. It's a fascinating conversation. Yeah. I, I think this issue is tremendous, as always. Legion number two has my favorite cover of the week. I'll say that. The cover is by Javier Rodriguez, but this book is written by Peter Milligan, art by Wilfredo Torres, colors by Dan Brown, letters by Travis Lanham. I love this cover so much because it's just like wonderfully cartoony and insane. There's a great baboon on there. It's so cool because it's like it's Legion and comic book version Legion. He has this giant hair. And so you got his hair, but... The baboon, a a lizard, a bird, a a lion, a snake. They all are these sort of iterations of him Mm -hmm. around his head. It's so trippy and weird. That's why I love that Javier Rodriguez guy. I feel like something special that we can talk about soon. Something maybe that I saw for the first time at the end of last week that blew my mind. It is so so cool. cool. Anyway, I feel this kinship between this book and... Gwenpool in a way because they're both very specific strange dives into like a unique corner of storytelling that kind of comic books can really tell best but instead of with Gwenpool it's kind of a, an exploration and it's a dive into the strangeness and weirdness of a character that knows they're in comics on uh, his exploration of comic books this book is an exploration of legion's mind in a in a similar weird trippy way and uh you know he's contending with lord trauma who is kind of harnessing all of his alter egos and kind of using their power to fight him this is kind of a a comic book trope that i love where you enter the realm of someone's mind whether it's the astral plane is probably the most famous version of it we're getting that and we'll talk about it in a little bit in darth vader this week anytime we kind of get the visual representation of what the insides of these characters minds is like uh is such a such a great thing that i just love so much i think it's so fun and to have an entire series an entire limited series dedicated to that concept is just my favorite yeah it's very peter milligan weird cool imagination stuff the bittersweet flowers the the paranoia quakes and all kinds of neat stuff all right we're on to lockjaw number one the second page of the book is an image of chubby doggo Uh lockjaw looking at the earth the dialogue is you magnificent beast (laughs) <laughs> and the title of the story is Who's a Good Boy? Come on. By God, this was made for me. <laughs> this is amazing comic booking. It is written by Daniel Kibblesmith. By Daniel Kibbles and Bits. Ooh, oh. that's real good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, pencils by Carlos Villa. Inks by Roberto Poggi. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. And letters by Clayton Cowles. Oh, man. I love this book so much. Uh, it also has D-Man in it. I'm going to keep this, and we're going to talk about this more on This Week in Marvel. Oh, yeah. Because it is so perfect for me, and I loved it so much. It took a bunch of turns I wasn't expecting. Very excited for you guys to check out Lockjaw. Next is Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War Prelude number 2. This is written by Will Corona Pilgrim, art by Jorge Fornes, colors by Chris O'Halloran, letters by Travis Lanham. 
This is really, really fascinating. Part two of two lead up to Infinity War because we start out kind of with this great framing device from Doctor Strange and Wong, and we kind of take a tour through the MCU in a great way. We visit the events of a bunch of different films from a kind of different angle, and it serves to be a great kind of roundup of where those gosh darn Infinity Stones are. And then, the you know, the last panel just hangs it up there, little alley waiting for the, you know, Oop. Bil- billions and billions of oops to come uh, this May. But, you know, as with every film tie-in, this is real. This is canon. This is, it's got the official Marvel Cinematic Universe stamp on it. So if you're excited for what will be a big movie, then this is kind of a perfect read for that. It's a great primer. All right, next book is Moon Girl, number 28, written by Brandon Montclair, art by Natasha Bustos, colors by Tamara Bonvalain, letters by Travis Lanham. We got more Super Scroll in here. Yeah. It's like a Super scroll mania going on. <laughs> uh, he's here. He's in Infinity Countdown. Go Clert. This book is Moon Girl versus the end of everything, thanks to Omnipotentus. I have the hardest Omnipotentus. time. Omnipotentus. Omnipotentus. Yeah. Omnipotentus. Omnipotentus. Ooh. Yeah, where Omnipotentus. Where does Omnipotentis. Right. <laughs> that Moon Girl is the smartest person alive, but that doesn't mean she knows everything. It's about her struggles, whether it's with people or with life, with herself. All of those things sort of drive this book and drive why we care about her as a character. But it's also fun and great for all ages, and she's teaming up with Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm, and it's it's a lot of fun. Next is Moon Knight number 192. This is Crazy Runs in the Family Part 5. It's written by Max Bemis. Pencils by Jason Burroughs. Inks by Guillermo Ortego. And colors by Matt Lopez. This book specifically is kind of emblematic of what this series has been for me so far. Not only does it draw so much from ancient Egyptian lore and mythology, but it also draws so much from Moon Knight mythology, from his past, from his story, kind of bringing a lot of things back to haunt him in so many great ways, as you would expect from a character with so many haunts, with so many haunting aspects in not just villainy, but in his own uh, mind. And we get this crazy, trippy, weird story. There's some really, really wonderful action scenes in here that are told just beautifully. There's a two-page spread in here that is so dynamic. Yeah. It's, it's this boat scene. It's Moon Knight beating the crap out of a bunch of different dudes. And there's like 10 different versions of Moon Knight throughout this ship. And you see him in small, each of those little fight sequences. And then close up, colored in red, are the finishing blows. His yeah. KO move yeah, yeah. for each of those fights. So cool. It kind of reminds me of the scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when he's on a boat that kind of looks like this at nighttime, beating the crap out of a bunch of henchmen. You know, it belongs in a museum. Study you! Throw him <laughs> overboard, boys! Uh, and then he just goes to town. It reminded me of that. In it also reminded a... me of Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yes. And uh, that Yeah, fight. yeah. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the uh, beginning of that. Then we, again, we kind of enter this other realm where it's Moon Knight. We get a taste of Galactus in here. We have Ra, the Sun King. It is crazy and we kind of end on a note that not only is disturbing and uncertain for the reader, but certainly for uh, Mark Spector himself. Yeah. This book had one of my favorite covers of the week edged out only slightly by the cover Mm -hmm. to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 300. The cover is beautifully done by Marcos Martin. And it is 
this this wonderful cityscape, Peter in mid-transformation into Spider-Man, hanging off a building, ready to superhero it up. The creator's names are part of the landscape. It's just this, Marcos is, is a master. Just so good. Wowie, wow, wow, wow. Anyway, this book is written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Adam Kubert and Juan Fergari, colors by Jason Keith, letters by Travis Lanham. And it's a big and huge issue yeah. on this one. You know what I didn't know? That I wanted Chip Zdarsky to write an Ironheart series. Oh, yeah. But I do. Oh, yeah. Because he gets to write Ironheart in the beginning of the story. He does a really great job of drawing parallels, sort mm. of subtly and not so subtly, between Peter and Riri. And Peter, when he was young, how he thought about being a hero, his mm-hmm. responsibility, his powers, Riri, the same way. Generational and, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Adam Kubert's art is incredible in here there's this big fight at the beginning and and you know you've got uh the avengers and their their tech has been taken out and they're still fighting against these bad dudes uh and that's where spidey and ironheart go but spidey takes a powder he has to go find the people who are behind this who he realizes are the masons it's really just one mason phineas mason the tinkerer who's created a fake brother but it's a suit of mm-hmm. robot mech armor that it turns into it's just this weird a robot gar- a bro- As Chip puts it, yes. A brobot. <laughs> that was really good. And uh, we get all these cool designs, the you know, the gray blade suit of armor that Mince wears, the Mason brobot, like <laughs> in different versions of it. Especially like this really gross, weird mech one where Phineas is piloting it and it's the head is gone and replaced by almost like a it looks like a sarlacc yeah like a little <laughs> bit of a sarlacc uh, but one of my favorite panels is the next page over showing how amazing Adam Kubert is it's almost like slowing time down you look at this panel and it's Spider-Man jumping through a hole in the ceiling, coming down. He's got a car in his arms. He's about to smash it down on the Mason bot, the Brobot. It's almost like you're watching a movie and you could hear the silence. Yeah. You know, in the middle of all this stuff. And if you're watching a movie, you know when those big moments are about to happen, everything goes quiet. Right. And it's... And then boom, Spidey throws down the car. The way that Adam and Chip and everybody choreograph this tell the story is phenomenal and then the next page without missing a beat we've got a j jonah jameson punchline and, mm-hmm. a, and a joke and boom we're off and running there's a giant fight and all this kind of fun stuff it is fantastic it's a reminder that adam kubert remains one of the best in the business you think the story ends in this big fight with the masons but no then a giant ship appears above manhattan we've got another ton of story here aliens invading ai robots crazy stuff more adam kubert cool designs and then there's a bonus tale about black cat and maybe we'll see a lot more black cat soon i hope so more high flying spidey action comes on earth 65 this time with spider gwen number 29 it's written by Jason Latour, art by Robbie Rodriguez, colors by Rico Renzi, letters by Clayton Cowles. We start out, as we have done so many times in this series, with the Watchers, the Watcher of Earth-65, dozing off, just being a bad Watcher in the best way. It's so funny. Then we see Frank Castle, who has come for this universe's Matt Murdock, and it's kind of Gwenum versus Matt Murdock versus 
Frank Castle versus Gwenham again. It, it, there's yeah. just so much going on at the same time. Then this universe's Captain America shows up, which is really cool. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, and then all I'll say is this issue ends with something that I never fathomed that I wanted. It's not that I didn't know I wanted it. It's just that I never could have imagined knowing that I would have ever lived in a world where it was possible for me to want that. But then it happens, and it is awesome. (laughs) Uh, On to Spider-Man Deadpool 28. Freaking hell, I love this series so much. This is written by Robbie Thompson, art by Chris Bashalo and Matt Horak, with Matt Horak live, say, Tim Townsend, Victor Olazaba, and Wayne Foucher on inks, and colors by Chris O'Halloran. VCs Joe Sabino on letters. Five paths we take down this issue. It's Spidey recounting a fight to Mockingbird and Husk. And this is just a great choice for what Spidey's doing. He's got his mask up. So that's one. It's Spidey recounting this fight to them. Then we have Deadpool recounting the same fight from his point of view to his crew. Then two different versions of the fight. So that's four things mm-hmm. right here, right? Then we've got the final piece which is Chameleon being super evil dude at the end. The fight scenes are drawn by Matt Horak. Matt Horak recently did Punisher series. He does such a solid job at selling the humor and absurdity of some of the moments here because, you know, you've got Hellcow and you've got Craven and Chameleon and wacky action going on in the middle of this heist and Spider-Man and Deadpool trying to bicker and banter and work together at the same time. Mm -hmm. The two different versions of the fight are also, I think they're colored slightly differently based on the different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So it's just such a, such a smart way to tell the story. This is some of my favorite art this week. Yeah. Matt's amazing in this. There's also surprise appearance by Dazzler, Chris Starr, magic and warlock and there's a joke in here and why i love robbie thompson uh because he's a beautiful handsome wonderful smart capable creative man (laughs) uh but it's also why you can tell he's having a super blast on this in this scene where we see chris star and dazzler the deadpool dialogue in here is dude we can't legally say his name anymore i don't know what to tell you this is the writer of the book's dream team it's never going (laughs) to happen so let's just give him these three panels okay (laughs) that's deadpool talking to his minions who are like really christar is there i didn't see dazzler uh it's really funny it's wonderfully done uh chris bashalo of course does a lot of the framing stuff if you've not been picking up spider-man deadpool then you're making Robbie Thompson sad. Do you want to make Robbie Thompson sad? All he wants to do is bring you joy. Uh, bringing me joy every day, every minute of every day, every hour of every day, forever for my whole life is Star Wars. And this is Star Wars Darth Vader number 12. It's written by Charles Soule, pencils by Giuseppe Camicoli, inks by Daniel Orlandini, colors by David Curiel. In the last issue, Darth Vader was ambushed by a team of mercenaries, Star Wars mercenaries. Come on, so cool. He dealt with the threat, but he doesn't know where that loose end leads to. He doesn't know who put out the hit on him, and he wants to know. We start this issue seeing him finally construct the iconic Darth Vader lightsaber, which is awesome. I've been waiting to see that moment, but it's so cool. He goes He's essentially trying to consolidate his power. He's trying to put down unrest of the Imperials who don't like that he's kind of taken such a position of power in the hierarchy. It 
leads to this scene towards the end that is one of the most badass things we've seen in one of the most badass books. It is so purely Vader. I can so imagine it in a movie. It's just so evil and wrong in all the right ways. He's kind of trying to sniff out who in the Empire put the hit out on him and he deals with it in the best way that, you know, turns him, you know, more and more into the Vader we all know come, you know, Time of a New Hope and the original trilogy. It's so good. Yeah, we've got more of Vader in sort of his meditative state yeah. and you can feel the rage and the anger yeah. radiate off the page, which is, you know, credit to the art team here. Giuseppe Camicoli, Daniel Orandini, and our boy David Curiel, yeah. because it's static, right? It's Vader sitting still. We see him sort of the version of him in his mind, mm-hmm. and there's no movement, but the glass around him breaks. Yeah, yeah. Things are you can just feel the fury yeah. and just anger. This He's ocean of red lightning and <sighs> fire just pulsating around him. It's awesome. Yeah, and. Uh, Kudos to Charles Soule getting to write some delicious Darth Sidious dialogue. Yeah. I, had, I wrote this down because I had to to read this. Vader has gone to the Emperor and is asking him, what's going on, bro? Yeah. Did you did you do this to me? <laughs> Vader's like, come on, son. Come on. Yeah. Let's go. And the Emperor is like, dude, I, I got no time for this. Your shenanigans. Take this up with them yourself. I'll give you some advice. And he says, if you do your work properly, you will never lack for people who wish you were dead. It is the price of power and also the joy. Your enemies will be numberless, infinite. And so you will never lack for people to destroy. <laughs> Come, Come on. on. Come I on. I love that. Love it. Whew. All right. You know what else I love? A little book called Thanos. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanos number 16, written by DDC Dangerous Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw, colors by Antonio Fabela, and letters by Clayton Cowles. This is your pick, right? This is my pick. This is your pick. So we're going to dive into it deeply on This Week in Marvel. All I will say is that it is incredible. Mm -hmm. It is full of those WTF moments that you expect from Donnie and Jeff's Thanos book, but it also tells you the origin and the real story of the writer, Mm -hmm. the cosmic ghost writer and who this character is, was, how they got to be where they are. The identity was revealed last issue. Mm-hmm. We are not going to spoil it on the pull list right now, but we are going to talk about it because we can't really talk about the issue without talking yeah. about that character. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about it on This Week of Marvel. So give you guys a couple days. There's going to be spoilers in there. If you're waiting for the trade, one, come on. You can't wait. <laughs> this book is too good. You can't. It's hot. Yeah. Hot like a tamale. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to read it. We're going to talk about it more on This Week of Marvel, but it is incredible. It is so good. The last book this week is X-Men Blue, number 22. This is part four of Poison X. It's written by Colin Bunn, art by Jacopo Camagni, colors by Matt Mila, letters by Joe Carmagna. It is just a grab bag of you versus you versus you. So much at play. It's the poisons, it's the X-Men, it's the symbiotes, kind of all in this crazy cosmic story that we have been told over the course of Poison X. This is part three of Poison X, which is told in Venom number 162, so make sure you read that one before jumping into this. But this has been such a great crossover. I just love seeing the X-Men with the symbiote. I mean, it is such a cool two parts of the Marvel Universe that I've loved forever. Can can you remember another time where like a story like this was told between like the mutants and between Venom? Venom and the mutants? 
there's one of my favorite X-Men or X Spider-Man stories is a Spidey X-Force crossover right before Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane left for Image, um, but does not have Venom and does not have the proper mm-hmm. X-Men. So that really is not what you're asking at all. <laughs> Point is, it's Venom combined with Jean Grey and Scott and Angel and Beast and Iceman, and it is just kind of... Uh, it's so cool to see a character that's so dark and twisted in that way mixed with these characters that we identify with heroism so much. It is such a weird, wild ride going on in Poison X as we continue the year of Venom. Yeah, there's a scene uh, with Scott and his dad that mm. I just loved. It's, yeah. it's space pirate Corsair. It's sweet and it's touching. Uh, and Jacopo draws a heck of a mustache yeah. on Corsair. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's, it's almost as good as mine. <laughs> All right, so those are your books of the week. Woo. Those are all the comics on sale this week, but there are still more mihertis. We've got <laughs> collections on sale, including Atlas Era, Tales to Astonish Masterworks, Volume 4, Captain America, The Adventures of Captain America, Despicable Deadpool, Volume 1, Deadpool Kills Cable, Golden Age Marvel Comics Masterworks, Volume 7, Jubilee by Robert Kirkman, New Mutants Epic Collection, Curse of the Valkyries, Spider-Man Through the Decades, Star Wars Jedi of the Republic, Mace Windu, The Nam, Volume 2, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 7, I've Been Waiting for a Squirrel Like You. It's the greatest pun (laughs) we'll see this week. Uh, The Unstoppable Wasp, Volume 2, Agents of Girl, must buy, must buy, must buy. If you do not own it, let's talk. Because, like, if you don't own Unstoppable Wasp, I don't even know. Uncanny Avengers, Unity, Volume 5, Stars and Garters, Weapon X, Volume 2, The Hunt for Weapon H. Digital comics on sale this week. The only uh, exclusive digital book is Black Panther Long Live the King, number six. It's out after we record this, and so we'll get to check it out in the next couple days. We'll give it a quick little uh, bit of info in This Week in Marvel later on this week. On sale on the Marvel app this week, we have a bunch of books. You can see the full list on marvel.com in the news section or in the show notes. We'll keep a link in there. Uh, But there's New Mutants, issues 73 through 85. I know we had a question come into This Week in Marvel recently about adding more New Mutants to our our stuff. So this probably fills out the gaps Mm. in New Mutants. So if it's in the Marvel app, it'll be coming to Marvel Unlimited fairly soon if it hasn't already. So that's a good thing. Uh, Adventures of Captain America, we talked about last week. That's a great one. Digital collections on sale this week. There's a couple. Again, those will be listed online, but I would highly suggest you check out Avengers Academy, the complete collection, volume one. That book was super cool, super fun. On Marvel Unlimited, tons and tons of books. Black Goliath, number one, is in there. We have Elektra uh, minus one through 19. Minus one being for a month, Back in the 90s, we did sort of the minus one issues, and Mm -hmm. it was tales of like older stories of those characters or those worlds. You know, there was like an old Wolverine story. This should be the series that Mike Diodato drew. So that's cool. Check that out. And there's a Dr. Afra annual, which Dr. Afra, you're not reading her. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right, that about covers it. Reminder, clumpy mushrooms. Yep. If that doesn't mean anything to you, you need to listen to This Week in Marvel. I'm going to say no more. That's it. Yeah, having a great time. Hope you guys are too. Enjoy your comics. Let us know what you're digging. I'm Ryan. I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. So I says to Mabel, I says, your universe.